Warning, Money's Crazy Mind contains language that may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised, but will be completely ignored. <laughs> and now, the feature presentation. Cause we stand united Just riled up, we start to fighting Had some beef squashed in the past Now we're back to kick some ass Never seen a party we couldn't rock Got to have a sea town ride Now jock Throwing blows and splitting wings Oh, that's right, that's right It is the one year anniversary Of Money's Crazy Mind Right here on Red Line Radio LLC The Asylum is here but not here um as you can see right there seeing that little black box right there that one right there i'm broadcasting from spook central there's a reason for that um tomorrow is my friend dina and tony's wedding i am in the wedding i kind of need to be spry like a spring chicken as they like to say kind of early in the morning so i decided for the last week before season two officially starts right here on money's crazy mind i wanted to give everybody a look back at all of the amazing crazy moments from season one including moments that have never before been seen on red line radio that's right. Moments from before I was here at Redline are going to be shown on this special. Why? Because I like you guys. Kinda. Anyway, let's jump into our first clip. Do you remember me talking on the four, uh, fourth? <laughs> Friday the 13th special about the time when I got the cops called on me when I was recording my show? We're going to take a listen to that portion of the clip. Now, what you're going to hear is you're going to hear a microphone very similar to this one. And then about five, ten minutes in, you're going to hear it switch to actually this very mic right here on my headset here. And that's because when I plug the mic back in after I ran had my little rendezvous with the po-po, the mic stopped working. So I had to improvise and make something happen. But check this clip out, and when we come back, I'll tell you what the next clip is. That's all I'm really here to do this week. Check it out. <laughs> all right, no, 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 stop, stop, God damn it! stop, no. No intro to the show this week. I am fucking pissed off. Gen Z. While I appreciate everything that you guys are doing for racial insensitivity when it comes to the <clears throat> Black Lives Matter and the insensitivity of the uh, American justice system, 
and even the Me Too movement and some of what is trying to be accomplished with cancel culture, you guys seriously need to start putting your fucking heads back on straight. And whether that means you guys have to go back into actual classrooms and start doing some goddamn research for projects the way that you guys used to, or I don't know what, but I think you guys all have your fucking heads on backwards, and it needs to stop, and it needs to stop now. Where, where in anybody's friggin' rationality does a goddamn plastic potato that is a children's toy offend somebody to the point that it can't be called Mr. or Mrs.? And, okay, congratulations. You guys got a bunch of books canceled that haven't been bought in fucking decades. And you know who even came out and gave that statistic? The fucking Seuss Enterprise. The people that keep his estate. The Seuss estate said that these books that have all these racially insensitive phrases and parts in it don't even sell. They're not the books that even people are buying. So congratulations, all you guys did was get a bunch of book sales up for books that nobody gives a fuck about. So congratulations, what the fuck did you accomplish by doing that? But here's where you guys have got me so flabbergasted that I just don't, I don't understand what you people are even trying to do anymore. Okay, great, continue to allow celebrities to feel that they think like they can come out and sit there and say that people like Josh Sweet are just fucking scumbags. Keep exposing scumbags. But the one that just blows me away beyond any comprehension, and I wasn't even going to say anything about this, but with all this other shit that has come out within the last two or three days, I'm so fucking enraged that this is the one thing that just has me just steaming like it is so cold in ohio right well it's not that cold but it's cold enough in ohio right now where you can see your breath and i'm just so angry that the steam and the water vapor is just coming off my head because of this whole thing where where in god's green earth does people think it is okay to have a gender neutral bathroom Okay, a gender-neutral plastic potato? Great, congratulations. You accomplished a gender-neutral plastic potato for a child to play with. And while we still have Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, now there's Potato Head. So it can be whatever the fuck somebody wants it to be. Great. You got six books canceled that, don't, that nobody reads. But a gender-neutral bathroom? where an adult can walk into the same bathroom as a child at the same time. And I'm going to try to not say boy, girl, man, woman, because I know that that's just going to piss you little bastards off and, 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 and let them do whatever the fuck they want to do. You know, everybody was all, save our children, save our children, when the whole Wayfair thing was happening. But then all of a sudden they're like, hey, let's make it so that anybody can walk into any bathroom at any time. No crime is going to happen there. There's a whole television show that was invented because of this exact same topic. There's plenty of television shows out there that talk about it. Most of it is true crime. 
Did we all forget about the fucking pedophiles? Did we all forget about fucking rapists? You know, Netflix just did a documentary on the Night Stalker who raped and murdered people. And now you want to put somebody like the goddamn Night Stalker in a bathroom with a child? Wake the fuck up! And it's not just the children that we have to worry about, it's the adults, too. You know, yes, these crimes happen against children, but they happen against adults as well. Human trafficking is a huge fucking problem in the world right now. You, you want to talk about the coronavirus pandemic? Let's talk about the human trafficking pandemic. The pandemic that everybody seems to have forgotten about. These are the kind of issues that I think about. These are the kind of issues that my generation is still thinking about. Well, hang on a second here. We have children. We have children that are the ages that these predators are looking for. The Insane Clown Posse has stopped making music and started thinking about just this. They want to help put ped pedophiles behind bars where, quite frankly, these sick motherfuckers belong. And there are, there's a group of people out there, mainly, mostly from Gen Z, that want to put these fucking animals in a fucking bathroom with the very people that they prey upon. And I'm sorry if I just don't see the accomplishment with this. All right, great. You know, there's an all-inclusive bathroom. But, I mean, what are we going to do? Put a camera in that bathroom to make sure that nobody gets molested or raped? That's against the law, too. I'm trying to understand here, guys. I really am. You know, I work with a bunch of people that are around this age. I try to understand a lot of things about you guys. I really do. But with with this this stuff, I just, I don't get it. I don't. If I'm missing a point here, guys, like, like, tell me. Honestly, please, I want to understand it. I do. You know, and on top of... All right, so that was the clip where I had the cops called on me while recording my episode. When you guys heard the audio shift between one microphone and the other, that's when the cops showed up and went on my door all right so this next clip that we're going to take a listen to here is from uh, my very first episode on redline radio llc when we spoke about the last blockbuster and dynamite dave had the idea to give them a ring-a-ding-ding -ding. Yeah, yeah, yeah so you know it was crazy because like um obviously during the last blockbuster and then you know just doing research and stuff like that for for this episode I actually saw one of the older 90s uh, blockbuster commercials. It was for when <laughs> Titanic got released. Oh, man. So um, the guy that played Paul Finch in the American Pie movies, the guy that fucked yes. Stifler's mom, yes. he was actually in that commercial as a blockbuster employee. Really? Yeah. So he's sitting there, and they just start hearing, like, a stampede coming because, obviously, it's Titanic, so all these women are coming to rent the movie. He, like, pulls down his collar, gets it all nice, spritz a little banaca in the mouth, and gets ready for the stampede. I'm like, that is the shit right there. <laughs> we never – I don't think we ever had – That's like, awesome. Yeah, I don't think we ever had, like, a new release that came out that was that big. Not, not as big as what Titanic would have been. Oh, no. I mean, we were there for Avatar. 
the blue people avatar, not the last airbender. Yeah. But I don't think it was there was that mad of a rush for. Oh, no, because by then, I mean, it was like the guarantee that mm-hmm. that you we were going to have the movies. And that was actually something that Blockbuster started. Yeah. They started the revenue sharing between the studios so that they would get the How disc- mad would you get if I called Ben to Oregon and we got on on, on them on the phone? Blockbuster. Are they even still open? Yes. Well, I mean, I know, I know the the store physically is still open, but like, well, well they, they're three hours behind, so they're it's like six. O'clock. It's like six o'clock there. Yeah. They're open. They are open. I'm trying to call them. I wonder if uh, the woman that runs it is there. I can't remember her name. Mm, probably not. Mm. She's running the store. She's probably out of there by now. But uh, how Closes many is at eight? Closes at eight. They're two hours behind. They're getting ready to close. Give it a shot. Let's see if we can get the last blockbuster on the line, man. That that'd be pretty cool. To talk to some of them. Two eleven Northeast Revere in Bend, Oregon. Our store operating hours are Sunday through Thursday from ten thirty a.m. to eight p.m. and on Friday and Saturday from ten thirty a.m. to nine p.m. If you're calling about an online order, please press two. If you're calling to speak to a sales associate or a store member, please press one. Matt Grenick, what's up, buddy? Can't wait to have you on the show next week. Yes, it is the same guy, and Freddie got fingered. Welcome in. Oh, wait. <laughs> How can I help you? Hey, uh, this is Lee Money. I host a radio show in Cleveland, Ohio. We're actually doing an episode about Blockbuster right now when he wanted to get a hold of the last Blockbuster and see if you guys had a few minutes to chat. Um, It's a little busy here in the store, unfortunately. Oh. Okay. I, uh... Let's see. Uh, hey, Kyler, do you think you got it up front for a few minutes? Do you think you have it up here for a few minutes? Okay. I'll be right back. All righty. I've got a second. How's it going, man? Oh, it's great. Uh, I'm actually uh, a former Blockbuster employee myself. I'm here with one of my other former employees, Jeremy. You should so, tell him what radio station you're on so he knows so he can tell his friends to listen to this. I was getting there. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was getting there. Uh, we're part of Redline Radio uh, LLC. You can follow us on Facebook, and we also have a, a YouTube page that you can subscribe to. Um, so that way, you know, uh, when your owner uh, also comes in, you know, you can have her watch and everything like that. And I got to say... Um, I just watched the last blockbuster for probably the fourth or fifth time last night, just preparing to do this episode and to bring back all those memories that I had or we had of working at blockbuster. And um, you guys did an awesome job with that movie. How did that even come about? Well, so we actually had that documentary made a very, like almost a year, I think before Netflix ended up airing it. It Mm. was uh, just a bunch of local dudes who had a passion for the store. And they uh, got together. They were already working on films, and they said, "Let's make a documentary." And they did, and here we are today. That is so cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you said it's actually pretty busy in the store right now. I mean, are you guys actually um, like busy all the time, or do you have your slow days, or is it pretty much what we would consider a Friday night at Blockbuster every day there? Uh, it's pretty much Friday night every day of the year. That's uh, it's, uh, the store is doing really, really well. We we do have our slow days, but with Memorial Day coming up and whatnot, we're uh, starting to pick up a little more pace. Uh, online stores popping off too, you know. 
Yeah, I'm actually going to be uh, ordering some stuff from that online store. I, I want one of them T-shirts. And I, if, I, if I buy a membership card, could you guys, like, put the number on it and give me, like, an account number and everything just so I had another Blockbuster card? I, unfortunately, I lost mine in a uh, fire. Uh, I don't uh, – we can't make accounts unless you're here uh-huh. in store. But uh, if you put on a special request or you have a mm-hmm. special number you want written on the card, you can do that towards the bottom of the order, and we'll usually write whatever you want on there. Oh, I that's... mean, there's obviously some things you can't write, but uh... obviously, obviously, <laughs> right? Um, <clears throat> so I know that you guys were just able to recently uh, redo your licensing agreement with Dish Network, which I got to say that was awesome of Dish Network to work with you guys to be able to do that licensing agreement again. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many How many years do you? I, I'm, you may not know. I might have to get. Um, your owner on the air, but how many years is that for? So I don't, uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how many years we've been doing the uh, agreement with Dish. Mm-hmm. I know that this Blockbuster specifically has been a store for the last uh, 19 years, I believe. That's how mm-hmm. long Sandy's been here. I Sandy, so, that's... Yeah, that's that's the manager. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I've, I've been here for three years and it's just been picking up more and more steam, but I'm pretty sure 19 is uh, how long we've been here. Awesome, awesome. You know, thank you for taking a couple minutes out to talk to us here. Um, when you guys were going through, I know what it was like for me and Jeremy when we were going through, um, you know, that initial uh, bankruptcy period in the early 2000s. Um, uh-huh. how, how worried were you guys being that you were a franchise and not, we were a corporate store, unfortunately. So yeah. we were yeah, one of the right. first on the chopping block. Um, but you guys being a franchise, um, were you guys um, given kind of the same information that we were, or was it a little bit different than for you guys than it would have been for a corporate store? Uh, I am. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how to answer that. I know that uh, when the corporation started to shut down, they pretty much went to all the franchises and said, "So long as you can spin a profit and mm-hmm. you know abide by a few rules, then you're welcome to stay open." And uh, you know, here we are still spinning a profit. We've had local business, a really great group of people coming in and renting since day one. So they continued to come in and rent, and that gave us the ability to be the last one. Awesome. So that video cassette of the last blockbuster that's in the movie, do you guys have that in store? Uh, not the video cassette, uh-huh. but we do have DVDs for sale here in store. Okay, because like in the movie, they actually had like the old blockbuster blue and yellow um cover with an actual like VHS in it that they gave to Kevin Smith and uh, all the other great celebrities that were in that documentary. And I was just wondering if you guys actually had that version of it in the, in the studio, but I'm sure the filmmakers probably held on to that. So. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't seen any of those. I, uh, I was actually only informed, I think about three days ago that those even existed. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you know, they, I, I'm, I'm sure they probably gave them to everybody that participated in the documentary, which would have been an awesome gift. I would love to have one of those, to be honest with you. Uh, so, yeah. you know, uh, with me and Jeremy sitting here with us being former employees and everything, um, you know, I'm sure you guys have your horror stories just like we do. Um, do you have any recent ones that are just like, I mean, do you have people that like come in there and like to poke fun at you guys for being the last blockbuster? Or is everybody pretty cool about it? Uh, most everybody's pretty cool. I mean, you do get an oddball every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, as far as horror stories wouldn't go, I wouldn't call it horror stories. It's, uh, I mean, there. I I had a dude a few days ago that came in and like argued with me about.
about why we're doing the merch. And it's like, I'm, I'm just here to sling movies, my guy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do here. You guys got to do whatever you can do to make money, right? And, I mean, it, the fact that Dish Network even lets you guys make those sweatpants and the T-shirts and the hats and everything like that, that's really cool. I mean, because, I mean, yeah. that is their intellectual property, so they don't technically need to do that. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, they've they been super-duper great with us. They've, mm-hmm. uh, they're really uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, – I'm not too sure the word I'm looking for, but they mm-hmm. give us a lot of liberty when it comes to what we do with – Blockbuster and people, you know, have been asking for merch since we became, you know, last one on the continent. I mean, right. Alaska shut down, and then it was it was last in America, and those shirts hit the store really, really quick. And then just a few months later, it was last one in the world after Perth shut down, and then yeah. our new merch came in, and people want it. People keep wanting it. That's awesome. Here we are. <laughs> no, that, that's really great. Uh, Jeremy, you got any questions for the guys over in Bend? I mean, not really. I'm just pumped that they're still there. You yeah. know, it's like we were talking before, you know, we, we, uh, I was there in 03, he was there in 06, you know, so it's, it's like a nostalgia factor for us, uh, yeah. you know, and, and to see that, uh, documentary and to, to sit here, talk with you guys and, and you're saying that it's busy. It's like, oh man, that's, yeah. that's like cool, you know, because a lot of people, I don't think they understand where, where you've got, you, you got people in their sixties and seventies still talk about stores from when they were kids, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that blockbuster will probably be one of those stores that people talk about until, you know, the day we die type stuff. So, yeah. you know, I really appreciate you, uh, you know, taking the time to, to chat with us and, yeah, this is you awesome. know, tell us that you guys are still going pretty strong. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you guys still have the rev share with the studios or is it basically just walk into Best Buy, Walmart or wherever you can get movies from and just stick all those on the shelves? I, uh, I'm not sure as far as how we get our movies. I know that, you know, Sandy has her magical shaman ways of getting movies <laughs> into the store and I continue to sell them and I'm happy with that little relationship. That's cool. Right. No, no, man. I, I got to tell you, it is so cool because like, you know, just a couple weeks ago, um, after the first time I saw the documentary, I actually reached out to all the members of my Blockbuster family that I'm still in contact with. And we are a family, bro. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And, um, you know, I'm just like, we need to make the trip out to Bend. We need to go see this place, you know. And we're trying to find a way to make it work, you know. But with COVID restrictions still in place, it's a little difficult to just hop on a plane <laughs> yeah. and go clear across the I mean, we're in Ohio, so, I mean, we're clear across the country, <laughs> you know, yeah. so, but, someday. Uh, yeah, someday, we'll, we'll make it there, we'll make it there. Yeah, well, whenever you guys decide to make your trip, we'll be here. Absolutely. I like it. You know, I love the fact yeah. that Bend, Oregon has, um, you know, is still welcoming you guys and is still continuing to support you guys. It means a lot to us old yeah. dogs that, you know, kind of got put out to pasture back in 2010, yeah. you know, to see and, the... Uh, I'm, I am going to take a quick second here and plug the merch store. If you guys want to continue to support us, our store is bendblockbuster.com. You can go there and look at all of our merchandise. We have it all for sale and ship worldwide. And the prices Perfect. are very reasonable. I was checking it out last night, as a matter of fact. So Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy night and uh, uh, chatting with us here. A couple of old old dogs from the original days. So. <laughs> You too. Thank Thanks, you brother. so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
All right, so um, Tim Fairbanks, actually another host of a great show here on uh, Redline Radio, Bring the Fight, said he's also a former Blockbuster employee. Hey. So, how about how about that phone call though? That was awesome. That was Dude, right to Dave. the story. You guys did see. I this is the stuff I think about when I'm behind the desk. <laughs> That's here. perfect. That, that was that an was awesome great. call, Dave. Yes, that, it was. Thank you. That thank you fun. for making that happen. Thank I you. think we should send them some Redline Radio stickers, like right to them, and have them send us some Blockbuster stickers, and we'll put them on the table. Yeah, How about that? we can do that. We can do that. That's a great idea. That is an awesome idea. Yes, that was an absolutely brilliant idea by Dave to give the last Blockbuster a call. All right, this next segment that we're going to take a listen to is the when I unfortunately attempted suicide let's take a listen you know managers aren't allowed to have time off okay and this is how bad things got when it came to stuff like that i missed my now wife's birthday because i was told i wasn't allowed to have the day off not only did i miss her birthday i missed our anniversary so you can imagine what I went through at home because of that. And that's where things started going well off the rails. That's really weird. Um, that's where things started going well off the wheels. Um, so, you know, she stopped staying home. After that, she started spending more time at her mom's or going, you know, out with friends or doing this or doing that. Um, and after that, you know, the next holiday was going to be Easter. I was originally supposed to get off at four o'clock in the morning on Easter and I wasn't due back to work until midnight that night where I worked was 24 hours. Um, the next manager came in and she said, these were our sales last year on Easter Sunday. And I'm like, okay, two things you need to take into consideration. One, we're talking last year's numbers. Last year, we were under lockdown for Easter. Nobody was allowed to go anywhere. Nobody was allowed to do anything. So yeah, of course, our sales are going to be well higher than what they were ever supposed to be on an Easter Sunday. And two, everybody that's been here has been here since nine o'clock. We're fucking tired. And I made plans with my family because I knew I was supposed to get off at, at 4 a.m. I was going to be able to go home, get a couple hours sleep, wake up, start cooking Easter Sunday dinner with my, my family, and then move on from there. And I was going to be back at midnight that night anyway. And she's like, well, I was going to ask you to come in at 730. And I'm just like, you know, I don't fucking live here. I have a family. I have other obligations. My obligation is not, my 100% obligation is not to this restaurant. You know, and I had put in a request off from my, one of my great friends, the best man of my wedding's bachelor party, because he was getting married around the same time I was. And that got denied. And I'm in their wedding party. And I was told I can't go. Because somebody else requested that day off. When everybody else that worked with us was just like, we can survive one day without two managers here. We were one of the only stores that were staffed. 
on top of that, and this is something I'm still going through, and I was really hoping that by going to the post office that I would be able to fix this issue, but it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to um, now that I'm no longer there. And I'll get to that you know, that full version of that story here in just a second. Um, but, you know, so we ended up being told we had to stay until 8 a.m. or later. And, you know, I have quite a few cracked teeth in the back of my mouth that I've been trying to get fixed. But even that place where I was working at, I was supposed to have health insurance and they never signed me up for it. I was never given the information for it. It wasn't until I put in my two week notice that they finally decided to activate my health insurance. And I'm like, well, thanks. I don't need it now. I'm leaving. Um, so I was in excruciating pain for one. For two, I knew I had these plans with my family and I needed to get home. And for three, I hadn't seen my wife in two weeks. She hadn't come home in two weeks because I hadn't been home. Because even when I was off, I wasn't off because my phone was constantly ringing. We need you to come in. We need you to do this. We need you to do that. I can I canceled so many plans during that time. It, it wasn't even a, a thing. Like, you know, friends' concerts. Uh, birthdays, parties, holidays, it didn't matter. They were all canceled. You know, I had tickets to go see the Brown Steelers game in Pittsburgh, and I had to sell my tickets because I was told I couldn't take the day off work after I had put the request off and it had been approved to go to that game. I had to cancel. So I finally get home around 9 a.m. that day. It took me an hour to get to work and an hour to get home. I had to stop at the store. I had to buy more pain medication because I can't get a prescription because I don't have any insurance. So I'm taking over-the-counter medication. I twist off the cap of the bottle. I turn the TV on, and I'm checking something out. And that's the last thing I remember until I woke up at 1030 at night to get ready to start going to work. And my phone was blowing up. You know, my family was trying to get a hold of me. I didn't, I was dead to the world. And I look in my hand and there's an empty bottle of medication in my hand. I had taken that whole bottle. And that is the first and last time in my life that I had ever attempted suicide. I thought about it. I thought about it for years. For years. You know, I was brutally, brutally bullied in high school. I was thrown into dumpsters. I had vomit and other bodily fluids poured on me one time in the cafeteria. I was beaten up. I was, you name it, it happened. I think the only saving grace that I had from when I was growing up, as opposed to what the kids that are going through today, is that social media was not a thing back then. So I could go home and I could not think about it. I could, I could just leave it alone. I could disappear into whatever world I wanted to disappear into. 
you know, and I think that that's why I got so obsessed with movies. I think that's why I got so obsessed with, um, you know, comic books, music, whatever it was, what, you know, whatever I was going through, I knew that I could just throw on, you know, a, a CD or a record or whatever and be able to escape and, and get away from things. Um, and I think that that's where a lot of that came from, but, you know, just going through what I went through that day and knowing that, you know, there's a damn good possibility I could not be here. You know, it really made me double think my life and it took me a long time to finally fess up to a lot of the things that I was going through. It, it took me, you know, it took me maybe a week before I even decided to call anybody and be like, you know, Hey, um, so this happened on Easter and, you know, that person said, you know what? I, I didn't really, didn't know that you needed to hear this. I didn't know how to tell you this. I didn't know if you even wanted to hear it, but you need to get out of that job. As you can now see, that job is killing you. Literally. You just tried killing yourself. And I started thinking about it. And I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and then, you know, he, he told me too, he's just like, you have not been yourself since you started working there. He said, before you started working there, you would come around all the time. We would hang out all the time. I miss hanging out with you. I miss doing this. I miss doing that. And he goes, you haven't recorded an episode of your show in almost three months. He said, it's time. It's time to get back to being you. So I said, you know what, dude? You know what, brother? You're right. And I went in that day. And I said, here's my notice. I'm done. You can't talk me out of it. Yeah, you're right. It, it did take me a month to tell you because you were the hardest one for me to tell. Well, I mean, I, I quit my job. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to just come out and say it. I quit my job without telling my wife. I didn't tell her until three days before my notice was up. But at that point, I'd already been looking at joining the post office. I'd already been looking at going somewhere else to work. I already had plans in place that were going to try hopefully make my life a little bit easier, make our life easier. But the second I walked in and handed that piece of paper to my boss, somebody that I'd been friends with for 20 plus years and said, here's my notice. I'm done with you. I'm done with this place. I'm not loving it anymore. I'm done. All the feelings that I was feeling disappeared. Kind of like what Gene was talking about when he said that he was suffering from it and he, he had to leave. The second I knew I was done and I was allowed to leave, I felt great. Everything was better. Everything was, was getting better. You know, and I left to somewhere that was going to make, I was going to make more money. 
I was able to start hanging out with my friends again. And then at that moment, the second my notice was in, I said, I'm only working the hours I am written on the schedule. I will not be here a minute longer. So then what happened? Everybody else around me started quitting and started just walking out, not even working a notice. And I ended up having to be there literally almost 24 hours a day. It was bullshit. So my grandma was getting very ill. She was in the hospital quite a bit. I kept trying to find the time to go and see her to try to figure out what was going on. I finally had it because I kept getting called in and called in. Hey, if you come in now, we'll send you home by this time. Well, the person that was supposed to come in after me would never would never show up. So I would end up having to stay and work half of their shift anyway until somebody else came in and did it. So I finally called the owner of our franchise and I said, listen, dude, I'm done. I'm not coming in tomorrow. I'm not coming in the day after that. I understand I still have four days left on my notice, but I'm not coming in. I'm done. This is bullshit. I'm getting treated worse now than I was when I wasn't leaving. And I'm sure that's the reason why I was getting treated like shit. But the second I was done and the second I was out of there, my life got a million times better. I met Dave from Redline Radio. I signed a contract to start doing my show live every every week here on the air. I got a job where I was making more money and I was treated with respect there. Redline Radio is proud to partner with Growing Wings Adult Services, the proud sponsor of our state-of-the-art production studio. The team at Growing Wings has over seven years' experience of helping adults with disabilities in the Northeast Ohio area. If Lisa Summers and the team at Growing Wings can help your family, contact them at 234-334-7547 today. And mention that you heard all about Growing Wings right here on Redline Radio, LLC. All right, so there you have it. That was a very deeply personal clip there uh, from the, a time I attempted suicide. Um, definitely one of the more powerful episodes of Money's Crazy Mind that I ever did, uh, especially at Redline Radio, LLC. So we're going to take a listen now to a time when uh, my buddy Gus Galaxy joined me by surprise on Money's Crazy Mind back before I was with Redline Radio and we were talking uh, Metallica's S&M 2 and Gus's feelings on the return album or the anniversary album of Metallica's S&M. What's going... Oh, well, ladies and gentlemen, it looks like we're going to have a little bit of a special guest uh, here on this S&M episode of Money's Crazy Mind. I'm getting a, 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 a Skype call here, so uh, let's bring this guy on the show. All right, so Gus Anselmo decided to join me uh, here tonight to talk S&M 2. And I got to say, man, I didn't think anything could top the original S&M. And Metallica outdid themselves with S&M 2, man. In terms of release, uh, couldn't be a better package, couldn't be a better uh, hype machine. Uh, of course, we're living in a digital age, so a lot more marketing, a lot more capabilities, a lot more options to the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got the box set, so I saw this is incredible. Um, my wife surprised me with the box set, actually. She saved up. She knew it was coming, and I 
<clears throat> I popped the DVD, the Blu-ray in. And, oh, uh, so you got your Blu-ray already. I did. I got the whole box set um, on the 27th, the day before the release date. They shipped them out. They sent me an email saying, like, in the middle of the month saying that they were going to be shipping them out early, so make sure everybody got them by re- by the re- by the launch date. And I got the day before launch, and it just it, it blew my mind. Uh, the vinyl is incredible. It plays great. My favorite track on the whole album, <clears throat> uh, quick statement though, I do have a little bit of a preference for the original. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for three, three reasons. One, I prefer Robert Trujillo and Metallica, mm-hmm. um, but, but I do love Jason's backup vocals when yes. he was in Metallica. For the S&M album in particular, he knew how to throw that backing vocals, mm-hmm. and I know it's something that um, James probably may have been distracted by a little bit over the years as Jason's vocals became more prominent on the live aspect. Um, but overall, uh, Robert brings a vitality to the band and a unity and cohesion. So it's like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Jason provided that extra power behind the backing vocals, but Robert brings the band a sense of life to it and I love his finger picking the bass mm-hmm. just makes sense um, my favorite performance on the whole thing is uh, The Unforgiven 3 yes it's one of my top it's one of my top three favorite songs of all time by anybody and and the performance on the Blu-ray let me just say that um, I mean the, the whole story is told in James Hetfield's eyes I mean he put his soul into that performance Honestly, it gave me chills to the point where seeing him, uh, you, you felt all the emotion in his voice, but it made you feel good watching it, like a sense of respect and pride. Mm-hmm. And um, the, song, the song itself is so important to him because it's a self-reflection. Yes. And um, being that it was one of the final big performances before his last stint in rehab, it was it was a very powerful moment. You can actually kind of see. I really don't want to spoil it, but there's a moment he's like tears in his eyes, kind of towards the end when he's doing the "Forgive me, forgive mm-hmm. me not. Why can't I forgive me?" When he says that, you can see the tears in his eyes and and the po- emotional power in his face, his eyes, and in his voice. It just honestly, it's one of the. It's one of the two greatest it's tied for like the best one of the best performances I've seen in my entire life the other being um, when when um, Hart did the Kennedy Center honors for Led Zeppelin when they did Stairway to Heaven okay. Ann Wilson's performance put Obama in tears uh, and Robert Plant and the whole, all of Led Zeppelin were just floored And I was just, I was just, I couldn't believe it um, that I found something that rivaled that. So let me ask yeah. you, uh, let me ask you this. Um, the one thing that I yep. was kind of disappointed with was the fact that, you know, we had mm-hmm. eight new songs, but only six of them were Metallica songs. You know, because you had the Iron Foundry, which was them, and the San Francisco Symphony, and then you had them right. doing the the Cynthian Suites, with, mm-hmm. which was just the orchestra only, which. 
Nice touch, adding just an orchestra-only track to the... It's like a, it's like a here's the floor for you guys mm-hmm. type thing. Right. Which was cool. Yeah, yeah. But... I mean, were you disappointed yeah. that we only got eight new tracks? I mean, like, when you hear S&M 2, like, I was expecting 20 new Metallica songs. With the symphony, right. Right. Because mm-hmm. um, um, I found a little bit of a, a taste of what some of the other stuff would have with the symphony, mm-hmm. and that was um, there's a group on YouTube called Scream Inc. Okay. And they are a European band who actually use a European orchestra mm-hmm. and played with them. And what happened was they did the Unforgiven 2. Mm. Oh, my God. Phenomenal. You have to look them up. They did a whole bunch of other classics and some stuff you wouldn't expect, and it was just it was just really good. And they hit note for note uh, S&M 1 pretty cool. much. Cool. The backing vocals, lead vocals. Mm-hmm. It was just very, very shocking mm-hmm. um, to see how good they were. Um, but... I was shocked that they did No Leaf Clover, but not, um, but not minus human. Uh, minus human. Yeah, I'm glad you called that too, because some people call it human. I call it minus human because that's what he says in the song, and there's a minus in the title. You know what? On the well, list. and, and even um, on the on the DVD um, for the original yeah. S and M, he says that's a brand new one for you called Minus Human. There you go. So um, I want official studio. People have made studio versions of those two songs on mm-hmm. YouTube um, that are pretty much the, the real deal. Mm-hmm. They sound great. They look great. Um, they've ranged it great. I think so, Iron Foundry would actually be a pretty good one to take into the studio with the symphony. Like do like, a 70, awesome. like do like a 75 piece version of the mm-hmm. symphony. And do yeah. Metallica and have them release that on like an album as a as an instrumental. Mm-hmm. I think that would be awesome. Now, back to No Leaf Clover. Was it just me, or was something way off about that song? It felt a little. The tempo was a bit off. Uh, I felt like they were, or the symphony was trying to keep pace with each other in that song in particular, and only that one. I felt like there was a huge uh, a disconnect. Race. Yes, but it was a race of pace that didn't add up that led to a huge disconnect. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Hetfield brought the best out in that, so it's reserved. Really? Um, Well, he's the one that saved it. See, for for Uh, me, it it almost almost sounded like Metallica hasn't performed that song since the original S&M. And it's almost like they forgot how to play it. And obviously, Robert Trujillo's never played it because he wasn't in the band back when they did No Leaf Clover originally. So, right. I mean, to me, it just seems sloppy. And, like, it was, like, the worst song out of the entire two-and-a-half-hour show. Um, yeah, I guess so. I think so because cause if you're putting it up to the original, yes. Mm-hmm. However... um. More more uh, reason why I agree with you is I did hear it on the 30th anniversary concerts. There was four shows, remember? Those mm-hmm. were phenomenal. They did No Leaf Clover. It was fantastic. I think that might have been band only, too, possibly. I'm not sure if they brought guests up, like a few orchestra members or mm-hmm. if it was just Metallica. I can't remember. I mean, they've they done it Metallica only because they did it as part of the Summer Sanitarium yeah. tour after SNM. Right. So mm-hmm. they've done it Metallica only. So Right. Um, so my thing is this. Anesthesia 
was phenomenal. Oh. Um, when 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 Lars comes up, dude, it was great. They they, they see him kicking. He, the look on his face mm. when you see it, it's like a kid, like like he's like he's in his youth again, man. He's like he's like a child again. You know, it's got, it's feeling good. You can tell it felt good. All right, this next clip we got lined up for everybody here is from when the guys from Psych Ward they did the theme song for season one and going to be doing the permanent theme song for season two as soon as they get it finished on up and we work out a couple of little details uh they had joined me in the redline radio studios and we got into a conversation of uh some people that they have done shows with and a particular conversation about john cena came up back when john cena was trying to be a rapper and i can honestly sit there and say this is the only time i've ever heard strippers the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and Fire mentioned in the same conversation. Yeah, many kiss and bone thugs in the same night. Who else can say that? You want me to play us your birthday five party? five other people. Nobody. <laughs> oh, no, you want us to play your birthday party? No, we shared the stage with mini kiss. Too big for that. <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, and, I mean, and Tenacious D one day. If we get big, we'll stay, share the stage with Tenacious D. One Damn of these it. days. I'd Damn go to that show. Happened. One of these days. One of these days. <laughs> I, I mean, you know I'd go I'm to saying? that show. Oh, yeah. I mean, Tenacious D just played a, a Comic-Con, you know, over the pandemic. I mean, they were part of a Hasbro PulseCon. Oh, yeah. And that, right that... before fucking John Cena showed up in a freaking Bumblebee costume. Of all people wait, wait, not to catch, that's, like, that's the coronavirus. I have a funny story about John credit. Cena, but we might get sued. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, let's leave that. Let's leave that one by the wayside. But we can't say what when John Cena played live three times, and we were part of one of those three. Yeah, and the night everybody kept literally leading into the show, kept telling us, "You can't cuss, you can't cuss," and we were the only group that night not to get pulled off stage early. Yeah, psych word wow. censored themselves. Yeah. Wow. But I'm not. It's saying... just because we forgot the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I give right. I give sick credit. Going a whole line of cussing. Yeah. You, you ever try to do bitch die without saying bitch? <laughs> Yitch die. Yitch. 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 So you basically Itch. did the, uh, dark by the, end of the night. talking gimmick. Like, don't, yeah. talk, don't talk about the line of strippers going into the group, into the makeout room with John Cena. Yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> there, there had been 50 of them. We, we, I don't know what just happened there. I heard some censoring coming along. Exactly. I hear he's the face of the company right now. Forget about Bray Wyatt. Forget about uh, Braun Strowman. John Cena's the face well, of the company. I can, and I, can say this, I can say this. This concert was the first concert I had ever done and been at that you had not only strippers, but Make-A-Wish. The Make-A-Wish Foundation. <laughs> yeah. I wish I, I wish I could say the same. I mean, I was proud I to say Florida that was a psych ward show. We were a part of not only Make-A-Wish Foundation, but strippers, too. Somehow we ended up with, what, 50 kids on stage with us that were no bigger than yeah. like, 10 Are years old? Are you kidding me? No. They kept, yeah. Parents kept handing their kids to us and putting them on stage with us because we had a couple kids on there already. Yeah. So we ended up with a stage full of kids. Yeah, who'd have think that? And we're not Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god see this is why i love having you guys on man <laughs> all right so you got obviously you guys you know, peabody's was your second home exactly 
I think that was my first home at some points. Well, I only think I have lost some days. Like we we played like we can honestly say we in Northeast Ohio we played every single venue except for one. Except for one, I'm pretty sure there's one. Live Nation. Yeah, yeah. House of Blues. We never played. House of Blues. We never played, but uh, who wants to play that? Um, Apparently, Chris Jericho because that's what Nautica? Fozzie's going to be. I, 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 never, no, I, I, I don't think Winchester. we ever hit Nautica either. The first time he was in Cleveland, he was there. Yeah, wait a minute. Yeah, we never played Nautica. Didn't we play some, do something in Nautica? No, we were supposed to, and then somehow. That's right. The show got canceled. Yeah. But no. Moved to the Agora. Out, of all the, out of all the venues we played, whether it be the Fantasy. Um, Pit Cleveland. Pit Cleveland. Pit Cleveland was kind of like a close home to us. Um, the high five before it turned into the foundry when we originally got banned for making fun of Billy Morris, which I <laughs> I didn't mean to. I didn't know he was friends with uh, Great White, and I didn't mean to make the come up front. We're not going to set you on fire. <laughs> okay, wait, what? Yeah, it was just it was, right was, after was... that Rhode Island show, that Great White show where they set the club on fire. Oh my! Oh yeah, all the crowd staying far back. It's a show. We I don't know how the fuck we got put off to begin with. Yeah, and they were all there, like afraid to come near the stage. And he I'm goes, like, "Look, we ain't gonna set the place on fire like Great White. You can get near the stage." <laughs> wow, wow. And needless to say, we were, we were told that we would never ever fucking we play there again. Back. And a year later, we played there. Nice. Yes. I think whoever put us on the show is also the same person that put us on with Integrity and One Life Crew. Yeah, we played Integrity and One Life Crew. Like, no. looks at me and goes, you guys are going to play after us because you guys aren't going to walk out of here if you play before us. Right. Yeah, but <laughs> we, we had Dwid there. Dwid of uh, Integrity like was our boy. So like it, it was all good, even though, you know, if, if I hear nowadays Chubbs from One Life Crew is kind of a racist, but, yeah, you know. Who knows? I, I stay out of all that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was that was kind of a fun show to play. I really wish they would put us like so that way. It would have been fun. Told you guys, strippers make a wish. Same conversation. Only psych ward. Uh, I love those guys. I appreciate everything that they do for Money's Crazy Mind. This next one is uh, again for another clip from before I was at Redline Radio, and it was when I was talking about when if Chris Benoit deserves to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. I still loved the business. I still do to this day. You know, but obviously my view on this, you know, and for years, every year, every year up until this Dark Side of the Ring aired, you know, I was one of many wrestling fans that have petitioned the WWE to include Chris Benoit in the WWE Hall of Fame. Now here comes my reaction to all this. And obviously, you know, like I said, I believe that CTE might have had a part in what happened. Um, but, you know, some of these other things can't be ignored. And like I said, I was I was part of a group that every year petitions and I'm sure it'll happen again next year, petitions the WWE to include Chris in the WWE Hall of Fame. This will be the first year that I do not sign that petition. You know, for years, I, you know, I said, you know, okay, the CTE, you know, caused him to murder his wife, caused him to murder his son, 
he didn't know what he was doing he had no preconceived notion maybe he was having a bout of dementia and he had no idea who these people were and they were in his home and he just kind of freaked out murdered nancy woke up the next day discovered what he had done realized that you know he can't raise daniel alone without nancy and murdered daniel and then woke up again the next day and then realized oh fuck you know i i am now a family annihilator and i can't live with myself with what i've done that's always kind of been my rational take on everything on, on the way that i was able to sit there and be like i can still have my hero i can still look at chris benoit the same way i have for fucking decades and you know that rationalization kept me going for years you know i was able to sit there and say that the cte you know made him think the way he thought you know and that's the way that a lot of my friends still to this day think about it and I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying that my opinion has changed. And what changed my opinion? You know, why why after all these years, why 14 years later am I changing my opinion? Well, I'm changing my opinion because I have facts now. Undisputable facts. I know exactly what happened inside that house. The fact that Nancy's back was so bruised from Chris's knee that it almost broke. You know, the Bible next to her body. The exact same kind of Bible that Eddie gave Chris. The 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 Xanax in, in Daniel's system. The, the big-ass fucking Michael Myers butcher knife next to Daniel's bed. The fact that, you know, the Eddie Bible was next to his body. And, you know, all, all that shit. And then you hear about how he was acting with Chavo, you know, after Eddie's death. You hear the way how he was acting with uh, Vicky, you know, after Eddie's death. The way he acted towards Nancy. You, you take all that shit... And you add it all together, and you just have the perfect recipe for premeditation. The text messages, the the, you know, I'm leaving this earth now, you know, all of that. It it sounds fucking premeditated, and I would love to sit there and blame CTE. I really fucking would. I think it's it's the you know it's a rationalization on his mindset sure but you take everything else that happened the fact that he was acting more like a grieving widow or a grieving parent after his best friend died than the way that i would think anybody <clears throat> would react after their best friend died you, you take all of those things and you add them up and it it makes more sense than cte so because of all of that, because of all of the, the this new information that I'm now armed with, and it, I didn't look the shit up because I didn't want to, or I didn't look the shit up because 
you know, I didn't care. I, I just didn't look this shit up because, you know, here we are. You know, doctor, you know, this is what happened. This is why it happened. I, I was just led to believe it as the way it was presented. Cool. Great. You know, it's it's like a judge. So let it be ordered. You know, so do I wish I had kind of done a little bit more research up until, you know, a year ago? Yeah. Not even a year ago. Just fucking a couple months ago. You know, April, I think. Or March. You know, um, is when the Beyond or the Dark Side of the Ring aired was March. You know, I I just I think going back and watching all these nitros and just seeing the fact that all these Benoit matches are intact and everything like that, it it just kind of makes you sit there and wonder. You know, it, it definitely made me think. You know, and the second that episode ended, the second after I watched it the second time, and, you know, kind of really paid attention to everything that was being said about Nancy, about Daniel, about the Bibles, and, and you know, the way that he acted with Eddie, all of it. You know, I sat there and went, you know what? As much as I hate to admit it, this motherfucker don't deserve no goddamn Hall of Fame. He deserves the rotten hell. Which is what I hope he's doing. Far away from Eddie Guerrero. Far away from Nancy. Far away from Daniel. Money's Crazy Mind is brought to you by Incredible Keepsakes. At Incredible Keepsakes, cherished moments are made to last forever. T-shirts, Binders, cups, you name it, Incredible Keepsakes can make it. Reach out to them today at IncredibleKeepsakes.com or 440-242-9648. Don't forget to mention you heard about them on Redline Radio, LLC. So there you have it, my thoughts on Chris Benoit and whether or not he deserves to be in the WWE Hall of Fame or not all right so these next couple of clips here i'm going to put three clips together in one uh so i invited a bunch of ghostbusters from all over the world to join me on money's crazy mind after the death of ivan reitman and this is the we had a conversation about his college days um and then following that uh one of redline radio's most controversial personalities lex vegas joined me in the asylum to discuss why he hates CM Punk, and then I go on a rant about Facebook and their supposed community standards. So we'll be back after those clips here, and then we're going to finish it out right here on Money's Crazy Mind. This is a special look back, a retrospective of season one of Money's Crazy Mind. So uh, Andrew uh, actually managed to uh he's gonna make bobby's day here let me, let me just say that andrew actually did manage to find some of the silhouette reviews that mentioned ivan reitman i'm gonna let him talk about these um here there's three different pictures that he sent me so uh andrew go ahead and take it away yeah so um 
a little bit of a pain to go and try to dig these up. But on the very left-hand side, uh, that is the oldest thing I could find. That is from 1965 in the silhouette. Wow. Um, and you can just see there's a that small little uh, black box in the middle there. Uh, you can't see in this photo here, but I can read it out loud. It says, Persenium Broadway Musical. Next year, this new organization will do one of Oklahoma, Little Abner, or Carousel, which they ended up going on to do Little Abner. Wow. Interested nice. in getting involved in this project. Sorry, in this fantastic production. Needed immediately producer, musical director, and business manager. For more information, contact Ivan Reitman. And then there's a That's phone awesome. number there. So oh I didn't know this. Uh, Ivan was apparently a music student at McMaster back in the mid to late 60s. Wow. So the next photo there, uh, Silhouette Review, Trust. was actually a review on the project, uh, on the musical that he ended up doing. Um, I'm just trying to pull it up here myself. Uh, McMaster goes Broadway campus in for dog patch invasion. So just kind of a little bit, bit of a review on what the project, uh, on how the musical was. Again, it was Lil Abner. And uh, after uh, Ivan died, a lot of the Hamilton local news ended up going and talking with people who would have been at McMaster around that time. So in like the mid to late 60s. Uh, so you can find those online by just putting in Ivan Reitman McMaster. Um, nice. But yeah, a great little review of uh, really the first big project that he worked on um, with a group of people. And the next thing he ended up doing was going and making uh, making a movie on campus. And then finally, we have in 1968, a... Uh, I assume it's an ad based on how it's laid out um, and kind of what we do currently, but it also could be an article just based off of, there's so much text on it. But again, it was the late 60s. So this is from 1968, uh, the McMaster Film Board, which if I'm not mistaken, Ivan Reitman created at McMaster. So nice. it was a club. It didn't have an official uh, McMaster affiliation. But, uh, yeah, that's an ad there. And I remember seeing it somewhere in our office space uh, back when it was safe to go on campus. So, nice. yeah, um, definitely a piece of McMaster history there. But also just I have a lot of attachment seeing things like this and being in charge of an organization that has been around for 92 years. Um yeah. So when I uncover stuff like this, it really does warm my heart because of how, again, kind of the impact that he's had on my life and not necessarily the work that I do, but definitely the things that I'm passionate about. And I felt really left out earlier. So I had to go and put on my. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, we, we definitely give you credit for that, and it's Ghostbusters <laughs> too. So it's it's a little bit different than you know what some of us are wearing here. So there you go. I. I, I do I have my like... franchise T-shirt on underneath my flight suit. So. <laughs> nice. I I'd like to second what Bobby. I don't. Uh, Bobby popped up and said that's awesome. You should. Uh, you, that's awesome to see in here. You should send that stuff to that's Jason. And I would second that absolutely. I think yeah. um, Jason's very receptive to getting stuff like that. Like he's he's. I mean, just kind like what of him, him and Ivan, Ivan did when they were making Afterlife. I mean, they they broke into the Sony oh, yeah. 
house yeah. and dug up anything that said Ghostbusters on it and right. found thousands and thousands of hours of stuff that we have never seen, which is how oh, yeah. we're getting all these new deleted scenes. We're getting to see. The real reason you're here. The reason I'm here. A few weeks ago. A few weeks. We were talking before your show. For my show, which is on Redline Radio every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, a Lex Vegas show. Continue. You don't even let me get that far, man. Hey, well, come on, man. <laughs> uh, we were talking about the return of CM Punk, and this was before it even happened. Mm. Mm. And you basically had that same mm. exact reaction. Mm -hmm. Now, for me... Mm. CM Punk represented a time in wrestling where some bullshit. Where the fans felt they didn't have a voice. And then here comes CM Punk. He does that promo against John Cena when he's sitting on the stage at Raw and basically says acting like a little bitch. Nobody listens to the fans, da 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 da, da blah blah blah. And that started the whole new revolution that led to the yes movement. And several other moments that Bullshit. that happened in in the WWE, um, I myself did not believe that Punk was going to return. I even said that on your show, well, not on your show, but before your show, that until CM Punk physically walks out at AEW, or if he would decided to go back to WWE, I wouldn't believe that it would happen because it was coming from Dave Meltzer. I don't believe Dave Meltzer as far as he can spit his dentures out on the table. Okay. So then Punk returned. Mm -hmm. And I've been very curious to know why the reaction that you have is the reaction that you have towards CM Punk. Because first off, fuck CM Punk. That's it, first. Second, okay, first off, CM Punk represents everything that's wrong with the culture now. He does. Okay. CM Punk was that I can't have what I want, so I'm going to take my ball, bitch about it, and go home. Okay. I'm mad because the big boys are getting all the shine. Okay. So I'm going to run home. Okay. And that's what that was. And that's that was the, the immediate that was the immediate moment that I stopped liking CM Punk. It's because because you can't get what you want, because you don't fit the mold, you're going to take your ball and run home. Okay. Have you ever have you ever thought you ever stop to think that whole promo about giving the fans what they want played the fucking fans? Because now it made you believe, oh, he's one of us. He got our back. He didn't have your back when you were in love with him as far as his wrestling goes, and he decided to take his ball and run home for the last fucking eight years. He didn't have your back then. He didn't give a fuck what you thought about. He didn't give a fuck about because if he was if he was giving the fans what they wanted, his ass would have been in wrestling because that's what they wanted. That's what they've been calling like fucking dickheads at every fucking show for the last eight years. CM Punk, CM Punk, when he ain't nowhere to fuck around. Okay, so where was he as far as giving you what you want as a fan then? No, he was doing what the fuck he wanted to do. He didn't get what he wanted, so he he left y'all hanging. So... Even so, do you you don't believe the story that he had the staph infection and the WWE doctors were trying to treat it improperly, and that anytime he would sit there and say, "Well, if your champion's the one that's supposed to be making the run to Europe, and I'm not going to Europe," or oh, damn right, Cassandra. That's a, that's a little inside <laughs> joke. I'm listening to you. Um, 
I, unfortunately, my comments are not working on the computer, so I have to keep looking down at my phone. Oh, now they're working. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, so you didn't believe the story about the staff infection and they were trying to the, treat it with ZPAC and, you know, basically doing things that would cause him more harm than they would do. What is one thing that you know about Vince McMahon? Vince McMahon is going to protect whatever is making him money. Which is why he sued CM Punk after he was on. Yeah, because you put out this story about me. Like, okay, Vince McMahon, what, do you think anything will ever happen to Roman Reigns right now? Not a damn. Roman Reigns probably won't even get a fucking cough. Okay? And Roman Reigns got leukemia. Yeah. But they're making, you think anything's going to happen to him? No, because they're going to do everything that they can to protect him. Okay, you think anything will happen to John Cena when he's on any of those shows? No. You think anything's going to happen to Big E or fucking um, um, Bobby Lashley or anybody else that's even close to the main event? Hell no. Okay? You think anything's going to happen to Randy Orton? I wish something would happen to Randy Orton. I wish he'd retire. Same thing with John Cena. Randy, Randy Orton is right now the greatest performer in the game right now. I would know. I haven't watched a WWE in a year and a half. I fuck WWE, the greatest performer in the game, in the business, in the world. However, like y'all, like y'all said, best in the world. Um, that's how y'all like to say it. Randy Orton is the best in-ring performer right now. Period. Anyway, Vince is going to protect what's making him money. So if if there's something going on with CM Punk. Vince is going to take care of it. So that's why he let Stone Cold walk out years earlier. When Stone, Stone Cold, Cold was the number one draw and still is. Stone Cold walked out because he walked out. Exactly. Exactly. Look, I can't stop you from what I can try to do whatever it is. But I'm not. You got to realize at the same time, you know, it's just like if I come in a red line every week and I just start just changing every fucking thing. Okay. At some point. So it's a normal week at red line when you're here. No, no. I, just make, <laughs> I make the right calls at Red Line, and then y'all fuck shit up for the rest of the week, and I got to fucking fix it every fucking Thursday oh, okay. at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Lex Vegas show here at Red Line Radio. Anyway, what I'm saying is eventually you got to realize I'm still your boss. I'm not going to give you everything you want, and because Stone Cold couldn't get everything he wanted or because CM Punk couldn't get everything he wanted, they walked. I can't stop that. I can I can try to make it lucrative for you. I can try to make it to where you want to be here. But at the end of the day, you got to want to be here. And they didn't want to be there for specific reasons in their career. Spe- CM Punk didn't want to be there because the big guys were getting all the shine. He walked out shortly after Batista won the Royal Rumble again. Okay. You you you're you're into wrestling. Yeah. There's something that is rarely talked about now, but is still prominent. The big man syndrome. No, not the big man syndrome. Kayfabe. It's because Kayfabe is dead. Even Triple H said that about five years ago. Kayfabe is dead because of all the documentaries, the books, and everything. But what I'm saying is there are wrestlers, including myself, that still believe in Kayfabe. kayfabe. Mm -hmm. And for those that don't understand what Kayfabe is, Kayfabe is protecting the reality of professional wrestling. Yes. Okay. Now, that's where CM Punk loses in kayfabe. That's where Daniel Bryan loses in kayfabe. Why? Because they don't look believable. 
Now we know as as indie wrestling fans or even as professional wrestlers, we know that Daniel Bryan can out wrestle just about anybody in the world. Absolutely. But he doesn't look like it. Okay? So the casual wrestling fan doesn't know about the American Dragon. They know they'll know about Brian Danielson. They know about Daniel Bryan. Right. And Daniel Bryan doesn't look like he can not only it doesn't even look like he can win a fight against somebody like Bobby Lashley or Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar, but it doesn't even look like he can survive. So when you are putting him over on these guys, it doesn't look believable. But yet you, you said, and, and you've said this before, that you believe it with Rey Mysterio. I so, do believe it, but Rey Mysterio is different because Rey Mysterio doesn't stand there and fight with you. He will hit you and run. He will make you catch him. That is his whole thing. That works because he's a little guy. He's not going to stand there and go toe-to-toe with you like CM Punk will or like Daniel Bryan will. They will try to sit there and go toe-to-toe with you, and it doesn't look believable. So then why would you believe it was somebody like a... Eddie Guerrero or a Crispin Wong. See how big those dudes were? They look like they can fight. It doesn't even look like. See, that's the difference. Look at Daniel Bryan. Look at his face. He looks like if your fucking laptop goes down and you call the Geek Squad at Best Buy, he's the one that's going to show up. Him. So I'm supposed to believe that he can. You're going to put him in a steel cage match with the Big Show and fucking Mark Henry, and he walks out of that bitch. Not alone. He won? It's. It sucks that I have to do this. Hey, yo, what's up, Dave Wallacek, boss man? But, you know, we work hard to do what we do. We work hard to put the content out there that we we do each and every week. And I, I can tell you guys, honestly, you know, I love being a part of everything that we do here. At Redline Radio, you know, now being the station manager before that, when I was the uh, uh, executive producer, and then even before that, when I was just producing shows on the side and being a content host, just like I still am here today. But the fact that I jump on the Money's Crazy Mind Facebook page and see that three of my episodes are going to be banned for not even for copyright content, but for just saying a word. And it wasn't even a four-letter word that you would think that would get me banned. You know, and it's like, for our show, Steel City Renegades, we can't even have our app for the Facebook page say Steel City Renegades because Facebook has now declared the word renegade to be a banned word. What? Dynamite Dave, the host of the Dynamite Dave show, he wanted to make, actually name his show TNT. They wouldn't let him name his show TNT. And then I come on Facebook, and I see that several of my friends and also several people that just follow content here on Redline Radio were banned for something that they said seven years ago in a group that is no longer functioning on Facebook. So nobody can see the content that they posted and they got banned for 60 days. So here's what I got to say to Facebook. And oh, oh, oh let, me, let me show you this real quick, everybody. This is from the uh, Redline Radio YouTube channel. Blocked for a copyright claim. 
The entire episode of Money's Crazy Mind is blocked. Nobody can watch it. And then I just went back on there today and found that another one of my episodes says the exact same thing. On an episode where we didn't play any music that holds any kind of copyright anywhere. We didn't show any video footage from anything. All we did was show some pictures. Pictures that showed the image of somebody that is in a Netflix television show. They weren't even screenshots from the Netflix show. They were literally just pictures of the person. Blocked. Worldwide. And, you know, so let's just jump right into it here right now. Paul Heyman inspired me to do this. I'm a Paul Heyman guy, have been my entire life. So here's what I got to say. From here on out, from this second, right now, you heard the beginning of the show. You know I have no filter. I do not care. My mission from here on out until something that we have in the works here behind the scenes at Redline Radio that we can't just talk about just yet, but until the day that this new plan that we have in place starts kicking in, my goal from here on out is to do everything I possibly can to get Facebook to kick my ass off the air. Hey, Facebook. How's a little Marilyn Manson for you, Facebook? Don't like that? How about this? No, don't like that either? How about this? Are you ready to kick me off the air yet, Facebook? How about you, YouTube? You ready to kick me off the air yet? This is my goal from here on out. This is what's going to happen from here on out, right here on Money's Crazy Mind. I am going to say and do whatever the fuck I want. Because as an American, we have the right to do just that and Dave just put the YouTube feed up on the TV here so I know I'm still live on YouTube so come on Google I dare you to kick me off the air you're gonna ban people for saying shit from seven years ago come on what the fuck is wrong with people I don't understand it it was seven years ago the group doesn't even exist anymore the only reason I know about it is because they shared the little picture of them getting banned by Facebook Tim saying hi to my wife and thanking her for uh, thanking him for getting his promotion. Lisa says I'm cracking her up. Well, I mean, that's my goal, man. That's my goal every week here on this show. If you can't take a joke or if you don't, or what, what, what was it that Angel said last night on Broad Street South, their final broadcast on Facebook, because they've had it with Facebook too. They're a sports show. And they're trying to show content from ESPN, Fox Sports, CBS Sports, NBC Sports, all these different... Where else are they supposed to get content from? That's the only spot they can get content from are the people that put out the news stories. Every time they try to do it, Facebook said, no, bad, banned, blocked, no more for you. No stream for you. 
Money's Crazy Mind and Redline Radio LLC is proudly sponsored by Tattoo Therapy, Inc. In the Greenbrier Shopping Center at 6259 Pearl Road, Parma Heights, Ohio. You can contact Riley today at 440-747-7130. They are one of the premier tattoo parlors in Northeast Ohio. And don't forget to tell them that Red Line Radio sent you. All right, so there you have it. That was my rant on Facebook about their supposed community standards and how they're definitely subjective. All right, so we got three more clips here, and then that's going to end it for this special look back at the first season of Money's Crazy Mind. Uh, These next three clips are probably some of my favorite clips, and that's why we put them at the end. Uh, So this next one is when I had a world record holder for the world's largest Ghostbusters collection, Robert O'Connor, join me on the the show, and uh, we discussed just how difficult it is to actually just set up getting a world record. And then we introduced the world to rich and stupid Robert Durst. And then the first time I ever met Damien and the guys from psych ward, and that's going to close it out for money's crazy mind on this special look back. So let's check out uh, my conversation with Robert O'Connor world record holder for the world's largest ghostbusters memorabilia collection. But yeah, so let's um, jump into the big topic. Um, So when did you first have the idea of trying to say you had the world's biggest Ghostbusters collection? Um, Well, I had thought about it for a long time, Um, actually. Believe it or not, I had um, originally applied for the Guinness World Record in 2016. Mm. Yeah. but they actually had canceled it uh, with the reboot that had came out. It pretty much just, I mean, it sucked everything out of me. I was uh, very disappointed in uh, not only them choosing to reboot it, but uh, the people that were involved in rebooting that movie. Not necessarily the cast, but some of the people behind the scenes at Sony. um, You know, but it, (laughs) So, like I said, I had originally applied in 2016, and then mm-hmm. with the reboot and everything like that, I actually had canceled my subscri- or my uh, yeah, subscription, my uh, attempt attempt for that um, for the world record because of uh, the reboot and a lot of the things that were going on at the time that were not only a going on behind the scenes um, with. Uh, Lisa Johnson, is that your mother-in-law? Yes. And she says she's so proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, But so there's a lot of things that were going on behind the scenes, not only with Sony and not only with uh, um, different fandoms in the group. um, And and it was just, it was a mess. It really was. And it took a lot of the uh, hardcore fans out of uh, Ghostbusters for, um, quite some time and I know some people that are still sore about it and that they have every right to be you know but mm-hmm. um, so I, anyways I had uh, stopped and I didn't go through with it and uh, I kind of sat on the back burner for a little while and then um, it was um, believe it or not it was the first day of the new year and I sat down and reapplied for the Guinness World Record and new year 2020 uh, yeah Okay. And uh, 
I had sat down and it's like, okay, I'm going to do this this time. And I'm going to, you know, regardless of how it turns out, I'm going to follow this through and do it. Um, so I reapplied for it and waited all the time that it took uh, to get approved for everything. And then uh, went through the process of uh, uh, getting the record. And I didn't know if I was going to get it or not, but I, you know, I had to at least try it. So yeah. and I didn't, I got it. So that's a huge thing. And, and there's a huge process in trying to even just apply yeah. for the, the record and everything like that. I, I don't want to get too deep into that, um, but I do know that there are a lot of rules and things like that that Guinness has as to what is considered by them to be memorabilia and that maybe a fan yeah, would there's, consider. It's almost night and day between... Mm -hmm what a collector considers memorabilia and what Guinness considers memorabilia. Um, so, but they also do it in a way that it makes it fair to everybody that's right. able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the process of it is very time consuming if you don't have the money to throw at the situation. Um, so it, it takes, it takes some time. It took me, uh, I think it's, it's like three, four months to even get approved for the record because of the um, amount of time that it took because I didn't pay for um, the, the expedited. Yeah, the mm -hmm. expedited services. So what's the difference between the expedited service and the way that you went about it? And, and I'm not trying to, like, help about, people. I would say it's about four months. What's up, Lex? <laughs> it's about four or five months. Uh, yeah. The expedited service is you have to... I don't remember what the price tag is on it, but it, it's fairly, it's up there a mm -hmm. little bit, um, but it's X amount of dollars and they improve, they approve your application for the world record in like a week's time. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that, it's like months. Um, and then after that, there's another expedited service that they do where you have to pay more money and they will either approve or deny your, attempt depending mm -hmm. on what it is um in x amount of time you know it's like i don't remember what it is but again you're putting money into it and then um if you don't it's like another you know four or five months or six yeah. months or something yeah. like that i think um for them to approve everything if it, if you follow the guidelines and mm -hmm. everything and you do everything right they uh, approve it and uh, but yes, it's very. It can be very costly, very expensive, and that's not including like all the other stuff that you're doing behind the scenes. Right. Not not including what you're paying Guinness. Right, right. But so, it is an option. You don't have yeah. to, but it just takes longer. So I mean, you can go into as much detail as you want. You know, um, <clears throat> this is being shared through some of the Ghostbuster groups, so I know that you know a lot of people are going to be watching this from that. Yeah. Um, in your opinion, um. What do you think was probably the uh, all the planning and counting? Matt says, "Yeah, that was that was fun." Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um, I was actually there when Bobby made the attempt. I was helping film it because Guinness had very specific rules, especially during the pandemic, of yeah. how to submit your attempt and everything like that. So, um, just gearing up for the attempt, uh, how much stuff was did you need to do? to prepare for that day in June when we were there 
at your house well going it, through. it takes uh like i said it takes not only time for them to approve it but then mm-hmm. they once they approve it they give you I want to say probably like 10 or 15 things that they consider that you need to follow mm-hmm. for, uh, for you to do this. Um, so it's, uh, it took me every bit of six months to get my collection Organized where it needed to be, where it needed to be to, um, even make this attempt. And I didn't even know if, I was doing it correctly because a lot of things they're kind of vague on. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, you need to do this. And it's like, well, how am I supposed to do this when I don't know what you mean by doing this mm-hmm. type of deal? So it took, yeah, it took me every bit of six months doing it, seven days a week. I'd get off of work. I'd go home. Uh, I would work on whatever I needed to do for, you know, three or four hours every night. And then my weekends consisted of getting up. I, uh, you know, feeding my animals. And then I was right at the computer for eight hours that day. And, Jeez. uh, you know, Sundays were the same thing. It's like, get up, do what I needed to get done. And I'd straight onto the computer to try to figure out what I needed to do next or what needed to go into the mm. next process of it. But did you have, like you said that some of the stuff was vague and that you were just like, well, what the hell is this? Did you have a contact at Guinness that you can call and be like, you know, Hey, what do you mean by this? Or um, they have a you can't call anybody. It's a um, kind of like an email okay. type of deal, and um, you have to send them a questions. But if again, if you didn't pay for the expedited service, who knows it takes like get the answer. four weeks for mm-hmm. them to get back to you answering one question. Wow! So it's like you know, it's it's not only like okay, well, this is how I think they want it. And then you send them the message and then mm-hmm. they get back to you four weeks later. And then it's like, no, we want it this way. So now you have to revamp everything <laughs> that you just did because you assumed yeah. that that was how it needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And it was completely the opposite of what they wanted. So, right. uh, like I said, it took me every bit of six months to, to, uh, to even get ready for the attempt and, you know, whether or not I had um, gotten the record is anybody's guess up until October of that year. Yeah. So you're talking from June to October. I didn't know anything, you know, whether or not anything got approved or mm-hmm. whether I did anything right. So, I mean, it's a, it's a waiting game if you don't, yeah. you know, have the money to do it. So, so I know your wife and yeah. I know that she, um, is the best. <laughs> she She's very understanding. I was going to say, yes. and she tolerates a lot when it comes to, uh, our obsession with Ghostbusters is, you know, I'm kind of similar to you with the way I obsess over it. Um, how was she going through this whole process? Um, she was very helpful um, with the whole process. Uh, Huge props to his wife, she just said. <laughs> yeah, uh, she was very helpful um, because there's a lot of things that um, either A, I didn't understand or couldn't comprehend how mm. to, to do it because um, I actually... Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but um, it's uh, with having uh, being dyslexic and uh, oh, having, I didn't even know that about you, and I've yeah, known you for years. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people don't, and it's not something I go around saying, "Hey, you know, I have a disability," and mm. um, but I am dyslexic, and uh, I don't comprehend things very well reading it. Um, so there's a lot of things that she had to help me with, like, "Hey, am I understanding this correctly?" Mm. and um, 
you know, how do I spell this? Or, you know, right. so she's, she's been very helpful with that, or I'll be doing something one way. And she's like, you know what, let's try it this way and see if this works not only better for me, but, you know, maybe it makes it more presentable or, um, you know, it, it, she's, she's been a big help. And yeah. uh, I truthfully probably wouldn't have been able to do it or could have done it without her help and helping me, you know, with everything. Well, that's awesome. You know, and kudos to Kim for that. Uh, Matt says, I didn't realize how much work actually was, this was for you. Uh, huge props for sticking it out. Uh, I know you and I spent a lot of time on the phone when you were trying to go through this. And uh, Mark says, you definitely have a great partner in crime. Uh, Kathy Main uh, Reichert. Uh, says, oh, my God, is that my fiance? <laughs> yes, it is, Kathy. Uh, <laughs> uh, Megan is actually dyslexic, too. Okay. So, you know, right. I have to help her a lot with some of that. Uh, huge props to all of the Ghostbusters spouses out there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they they definitely put up with some stuff. Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the events, you know, it's like that with the events, too. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, we, there's a lot that we do to try to get ready for those events. And, I mean, I have to give everybody that came out to the event that we just had this past weekend for free comic book day a huge amount of credit for getting that event put together as quickly as we did and everything like that. And you were a huge help with that. So I definitely have to thank you for that. Uh, so one last question here, and then we're going to uh, jump to uh, a quick break here. Um, so we're now up to getting ready for the attempt. Did you have to reach out to Guinness and say, Hey, this is the day I'm going to do the attempt or. Yes. Yeah, so it all has to be pre um, pre-selected in your uh, attempt and everything mm -hmm. so yeah it, it's like hey i'm doing it this day um i think uh i could be wrong but i, I think they even give you a allotted time after that date so if something doesn't go correctly mm -hmm. or um something's not done or somebody cancels or you know there's a whole list of stuff that could potentially happen i think you're allotted so many days after your scheduled attempt mm -hmm. to attempt it um, but again, you're not, you don't know, even if you attempt it and you think that you're doing it correctly, doesn't mean that you're doing it correctly and you mm -hmm. won't find out for four or five, six months, right, like, right. whether or not you did this right. So, uh, Mark says the rolling of the eyes is always worth it when we do events. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're not scared in the straights, I mean, yeah. you're not doing something right. Right. I'm ready to sit down and talk. Mm. Bob's got something to say now because Bob needs money and Bob knows that these guys are trying to help keep him out of jail with that footage so Bob comes in sits down for the interview very first question off the rip is this a letter you wrote to Susan Bob's looking at it. Obviously, he sees his address in the upper corner of the envelope. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay, well, take a look at the address there, Bob. Beverly spelled wrong. Okay. Well, take a look at this, Bob. Doesn't tell him what it is. Beverly spelled wrong the same way on this that it's spelled wrong on the letter I wrote to Susan right and the handwriting's like 
almost identical there, Bob. Like, how do you explain that? Well, I mean, any handwriting expert would assert that whoever wrote this document wrote this document. Correct. Do you know what that document is, Bob? No. That's the cadaver note that was sent to Beverly Hills Police, Bob. Well, I didn't write that. So, you mean to tell us you wrote the letter to Susan, which has exact handwriting on it, and has the exact same misspelling of Beverly on it, but you're telling us you didn't write the cadaver note. That's right, I didn't write the cadaver note. Well, how is that possible? Clearly, it's a block lettering, so whoever wrote this was trying to hide their handwriting so they wouldn't try to connect them to the... And I'm sitting there going, shut up. You have gotten away with murder. Shut your pie hole. Bob doesn't shut his pie hole. He keeps arguing the fact that he didn't write the cadaver note, even though... The handwriting is an exact match. Meanwhile, the FBI is now getting involved in Susan's murder. Mr. Jarecki, we understand that you've been interviewing Bob Durst. Do you mind if we uh, talk to you? He goes, no. But He goes, no, I'll talk to you. But I actually have another interview lined up with Bob. Give me a week. Okay, we'll give you a week. So he's sitting here, and he's got Bob sitting at this table, and he's still grilling him about these two pieces of information. And they go, Bob, not only did you write this letter to Susan, and the handwriting is almost an exact match to what's in the cadaver note, but you also put a check in there for $25,000 and told her that maybe it's time you talk about the old days. Well, what is it about the old days that you need to talk about, Bob? Well, I mean, you know, we've been friends since, you know, we went to college and da-da-da-da-da. Well, what did she know about Kathy? She knew everything about Kathy. We were friends. I told her everything. What did she know about Kathy's disappearance? I don't know what she knew about Kathy's disappearance. You'd have to ask her, but you can't because somebody killed her. Bob, you admitted into being in her house the day after she died. Don't you think that it's possible that somebody would think that you wrote the cadaver note since you were in her house the day after she died? Yeah, but I didn't. Okay. Well, you know what, Bob? I think we have everything we need. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the point where Robert Durst signed his death warrant. Robert Durst is still alive, mind you. But here's what I mean by he signed his death warrant. He tells Andrew Jarecki... What the hell was that? (laughs) Wrong. Ah, yes. That's the sound we're looking for. Bob Durst tells Robert Jarecki, I need to use the bathroom. He doesn't even give the producers time to get his microphone off. 
Bob heads into the bathroom. During this podcast that his lawyer did, he admitted that they had to keep telling Bob to shut up at the defense table because Bob has a tendency to talk to himself. They claim it's part of his Asperger's. I claim it's just part of being rich and stupid. Bob would sit there and say things like, no, no, that's not how it happened. You're telling it wrong to the, when the prosecution was up there presenting their case in Morris Black. And then when his defense attorneys were up there, he would go, good job. You're really making me sound good. Thank you. To which his attorneys would sit there and say, Bob, shut up. He also had a tendency of turning around and looking into the jury booth and muttering things to the jury. His attorney would never say what he was muttering to the to the jury, but considering the fact that part of their defense was that he had Asperger's, they probably just thought of it as him having Asperger's. So they didn't think too much of it, obviously, because they acquitted him of murder. So Bob walks into this bathroom, and the first words out of his mouth are, that's it. You're caught. What are you going to do now? He's miked. They're recording all of this. And he goes, you can't tell them that you don't understand the question. What are you going to do? He's right. You're wrong. You killed them all, of course. I'm sorry, what did you just say, Bob? Did you just admit to three murders? That's where the documentary ended. They start playing the credits after that. They have everything they need. They just had a man admit to murder. I was at the first show I remember being at. Well, you, it was, uh, I think you guys were opening for Zug, Zug Island. And um, I was there with uh, Chainsaw. And Damien walked up to me and Chainsaw and said, um, you guys look beefy enough. Come with me. So I, I didn't know you guys from a hole in the wall at that point. And now now I got this dude, you know, coming up to me saying, you know, follow me. And I'm like, uh, what are we what what are we doing? And so he walked us over to the front stage area of Peabody's and said, you guys are going to stand right here and don't move, because if you if you drop me, I'm going to brain both of you. And I'm just like, OK, what the hell's going on here? So then, like, five minutes later, you guys come out from backstage with a big, giant um, uh, paper uh, cutout of your logo and set it up right on the front of the stage. And I'm like, he's not going to jump through that. So sure enough, yeah. Lab of a Madman starts playing, and that some bitch comes flying clear off the stage. And he had the distance right because he landed right on top of me and um of me and chainsaw 
and then we had to crowd surf him back onto the stage so so that he could get up there well, and sing his verse. Yeah, good thing he did, man, because if he if he had fell and cracked his skull open, man, I don't know. Those those floors of Peabody's were hard. For some odd reason, Chris and Damien always had the uh, stage jump, like, perfect. Like, for some odd reason, if I tried to jump from the stage, I always, like, everybody's like, back up. There's some spatty. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, mean, I know both of you guys have been really good about trying to drop some of your weight, and I'm proud of you guys for that. And I told you that the last time oh, yeah. you guys were on the show. Um, but, I mean, yeah, back then, uh, you know, you, you were a pretty hefty boy, man. And Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it probably would have hurt some people if you had tried to jump off the stage. <laughs> would have been funny. Oh, it would have been hilarious. Been I'm not going to lie. but It would have been, been like the Raptor Rabbit cartoon, you know. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, so... You know how how did you? I know I think we probably told this story last time you guys were here, but you know we're we're remembering Damien and everything. So, um, how did you guys meet Damien, and how did you guys decide to add him into uh, Psych Ward? Well, what had happened was Spooky she did show for a show. We saw a guy out standing out front with a sign, "Will rap for food." <laughs> Can we get figure, give it a try? No, nah, I was kidding. No, we had always known Damien. He grew up in the same neighborhood as us. It's always funny. But I like to tell people, yeah, yeah, we grew up in Tremont. They think Tremont, they think it's really nice Tremont. Mm. I go, no, before Tremont was not safe. Back <laughs> before, like, you can go in Lincoln Park after dark and stuff like that. Like, he grew up with us, Wild John, and Preston. And uh, we had all came from the neighborhood, basically. And, uh, you know, he, he hung around and, you know, we tortured him when he first kind of started hanging around with us. Like, we'd have him watch, like, the gate and stuff like that. You know, so you guys were basically him there, treating him the same way that Kevin Smith treated uh, Jay Muse, just the yeah, just the crazy you know, kid we, from the we block. We a little bit. We we, test, we, we tested his patience a little bit. Mm. It was kind of funny because you know as soon as he left the group, he kind of fit just perfect. He knew everything that we did. He knew the music. He just knew everything about what we and how we functioned, and it just it was the perfect fit. Man, you can't. Well, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Can't go. We, we've known him since he was a wee little guy. All right, everybody. So there you have it. An exclusive look back at season one of Money's Crazy Mind. I probably could have put one more clip in here. Um, but, you know, those were some of my all time favorite moments of doing the show from this past year. You know, I am obviously more than excited, more than happy to be a part of the Redline Radio family. Um, I appreciate everything that Dave and everyone here at Redline has done, not just for Money's Crazy Mind, but for Redline Radio in general. I mean, you know, we've been growing leaps and bounds over this past year. We are continuing to grow. We got a bunch of new shows coming your way. I can't wait for everybody to see everything that we have coming your way here on Redline Radio. And, you know, tomorrow's going to be a hell of a long day for me, you know, but 4th and 15 is still going to happen. You know, we got, um, you know, our whole weekend lineup of shows coming at everybody. Monday night, Dave, Chipper, Ryan, maybe Angel, and I will all be back for uh, Crank It Up. 
the all-star races this weekend so we got that to look forward to there's so much shit happening i can't wait to get back into the fray of everything and just get back to doing this crazy thing we call podcasting crazy thing we call internet radio so you, you heard it last night immediately following the lex vegas birthday spectacular where he got roasted by some of his favorite comedians uh, Money is Crazy soundtrack is going to be back this week, and I think we're going to do something a little bit different. So stay tuned for details on that, and you know just just stay tuned for all of the great shows. I want to thank the sponsors that have made this show ha- happen. You saw their commercials during the show. So Growing Wings Adult Services, Incredible Keepsakes, Tattoo Therapy Inc. Thank you guys so much for helping make this special retrospective, this look back at year one of Money's Crazy Mind possible. But that's going to do it for this week, guys. Hopefully you guys will all join me next week where I think we're going to take a little bit of a Back to the Future trip back into the very first episode of Money's Crazy Mind right here on Redline Radio. Stay tuned for all the details about that. And until next Friday night, everybody, this has been amazing. Thank you, everybody, so much. Until then, have a week, everybody. Mice Crazy Mind is a proud Redline Promotions and Nameless Faceless production. That's all, folks.